Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So, how's this? If the liberals get their way, and they usually do, uh, they're planning to make sure that no other government can cancel or lower the carbon tax. So they plan to table some legislation that will enshrine a carbon price and any increase that comes along with it. Or they'll also make investors pay a fine if the carbon price doesn't go up as promised. Uh, Pierre Polyevra has already promised to cancel carbon taxes, and many of the other conservative candidates are saying that they won't bring in a carbon tax. So this is clearly an attempt to tie their hands in the future. But Stephen Gibault also says they're doing this to give business investors stability moving forward, which is a nice way to spin it. But as Lori Goldstein has laid out in his uh, latest piece, you know, we're being forced to pay a huge price for something that is based on complete fantasy because these emission cuts that the Trudeau government is demanding simply can't be done. Mr. Lori Goldstein, who is the knower of all the numbers, <laughs> joins us now from the Toronto Sun. Good to have you, Lori. Hi, Alex. Nice to be here. I try. I really try. But, I mean, this is something you have covered for decades. I literally glaze over because the numbers become so confusing that it's like, what? How much have we gone up, down? What do we have to get to? That I think most Canadians probably think like me, like, what do I have to pay? What's the end result? But before I go into kind of the, the pricing and that, I want to I wanna ask you your thoughts on this legislation that they plan to table. Well, look, I mean, the, the farce of this, first of all, Parliament is supreme. Parliament can do anything it wants. A future Parliament, whoever controls the confidence of the House, whatever law they passed, uh, they can rescind it. So, so simply passing legislation uh, means nothing. They say, okay, it's going to be this amount, this amount, this amount, like you know, it's $50 per ton as of tomorrow in the provinces that have it, and it's going up to $170 per ton, blah, blah, blah. Any new government can come in and change that, and nobody can stop them. That's how democracy works. You know, the, the current government doesn't get to lock us into things forever. So the second one is more devious. It's that, okay, we will guarantee, like we're the government now, we will guarantee investors coming in now that they will basically get a certain return on investment. Because obviously, if you're in projects that are reducing emissions, those projects become more and more valuable as the carbon price goes up. Because in other words, you save more and more money. And if they have like a, 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 credit, a credit trading system, then obviously it's worth $170 per ton instead of $40 per ton if you don't emit a ton. Okay, but just... It, this really is simple. Just think of what that means. That means that they are not confident that the rising carbon tax is going to decrease emissions as they say it will. And there's an obvious reason for that. And again, simple numbers. When Justin Trudeau came into power with all the speeches about he was going to lower emissions, their record from 2015 to 2019 was that the emissions were, sorry, the emissions rose by 7 million tons. In drop. That's not a great number, but they, I mean, it's not a large number, but they went up 7 million tons in four years. Now, what is the government saying now? It is saying that between 2019 and 2030, it can lower emissions, or it will lower emissions through its carbon tax and other policies 
a minimum of 287 million tons by 2030 or a maximum of 324 million. So having, having allowed them to rise by 7 million tons from 2015 to 2019, they're now saying from 2019 to 2030, they can lower them by 287 million tons at the least amount and 324 million tons at the most amount. So what would they have to do? Well, for, for, for Trudeau to breach the first target, the, the lower target, 287 million tons, he'd have to cut emissions equivalent to Canada's entire oil and gas sector by 2030. That's 191.4 million tons of emissions in 2019. And you'd have to basically wipe out not just that sector, not just oil and gas, but the entire building sector, which is 90.7 million tons of emissions a year. Now let's go to the top one, 324 million tons. To do that, he would have to wipe out the entire oil and gas sector, 191.4 million tons of emissions, agriculture, 72.7 million tons, and electricity, 61.1 million tons. Now, what, what Gibo said on Tuesday when he announced this, okay, well, well here, here's what we're going to do. We're, uh, in order to get the emissions to 36.4% less than 2005 levels, which is below our minimum, but it's really close, and we got eight years to, to make it, right? <laughs> They're proposing cutting 77% of emissions in the electricity sector by 2030, 43% in what's called waste and others, which means coal production, light manufacturing, blah, blah, blah. 42% in the building sector, 40% in the oil and gas sector, 30% in the heavy industry sector, and 23% in the transport. This is all a fantasy. Remember, they said they adopted Halper's number when they got in power, 2016. We're going to lower these emissions by this amount by uh, 2020. And Trudeau and his then Environment Minister, Catherine McKenna, said it over and over again when they were asked, we're on track for 2020, right? Well, in this thing that they released on Tuesday, if you ignored all the, all the pretty pictures and the bumps and you looked at the charts, the charts show that they, ha- they haven't announced their 2020 yet, but it's in that, it's in that thing, right? They missed the 2020 target by 61 million tons. That's the entire output of the electricity sector in a year. It's just, you see, the problem is, and the problem Canadians are going to have, is that the effectiveness of the carbon tax in lowering emissions is already completely divorced from reality. You notice how they never say, okay, we're going to raise it this much this year, and by the end of this year, here's, here's what, what it's going to, here's how it's going to drop. They have nice little charts and this and that, but they never relate the two. They never relate the cost of the carbon tax to, all right, how's this going to happen? And, and so, basically, I, I mean, what will come out of what are they trying to do now? They're trying to protect protect the people they call the big bad polluters, right? Like they're basically saying, "Oh yeah, we know you guys in the oil and gas sector and the cement sector, and that um, you know we got to keep that carbon price high so that you have investment opportunities where you can save money by investing in carbon credits. And if that mounts too low, right, then it, then they're just going to do nothing and what pay a fine or whatever it is. This is all." premised on the fact that they know that carbon pricing has nothing to do with the amount of emissions that either go up or down. And we know that from the record. This isn't the first government that promised lower emissions. Um, this is the ninth time. 2020 is the ninth time consecutively since 1988 that liberal and conservative governments promised to lower emissions and they blew it. They didn't meet it. The only difference now is that now we're paying for it 
through the, you know, the carbon price, the carbon tax, right? And on that yeah. one, remember how they've always dined out on the fact that 80% of the people in the four provinces uh, will get, will be better off financially? Yeah. That Well, no. And that's still in what they presented yesterday, even though the parliamentary budget officer, the independent yeah. financial watchdog of parliament, uh, like, the auditor, like the auditor general, but he, he does parliamentary oversight, he went, no, when you actually look at all the economic damage that this is going to cause in terms of a lower GDP, in terms of lower incomes for workers, particularly in fossil fuel intensive industries, um, uh, lower investment, I mean, lower investment, which is what they're trying to fix by, by this ridiculous plan. He said, no, actually, you know, it's not eight and 10 do better. It's six and 10 do worse. And by 2024 in Ontario, Eight of ten families will be doing worse. In other words, they will pay more in carbon taxes than they. And in Alberta, that'll happen in 2028. So it's all really related, Adrian. The reason for this nonsense about we have to we have to be the government that establishes these, no matter who comes, is because um, otherwise the whole house of cards collapses. uh, Because all I'd say to them is, okay, you're going to give them a guaranteed price. What guarantees do you have in the law that they're going to make their emission targets? Yeah, well, they'll just, it's like a shell game, though. So, I mean, the bottom line is, despite the fact that a nonpartisan financial watchdog laid out the reality of this, their talking points have been spun so much that people actually believe that they're still going to get money back. I mean, you see Twitter, you see people arguing about it. They are still convinced that they're doing something, even though they're not. They're they are getting Go ahead. The, the checks start in July. We're going to get a double hit in July in the four provinces, and then it'll be quarterly. But the point is that that what the financial officer of the of parliament is telling us is, yeah, you're going to get checks, but you're going to lose more, right? And exactly. the government says, oh, no, no, eight, eight out of ten of you are going to use less. Well, between, between, <laughs> between the parliamentary budget officer and Justin Trudeau's spin doctors in the PMO, I believe the parliamentary budget officer. Call me crazy. Well, okay, yeah, but, you know, if you repeat something many times, uh, eventually people will believe you, uh, said one Catherine McKenna. That's what McKenna said uh, when she was ago. environment minister. That's, um, yeah, that's, if she repeats something. She's kissing a cod. You know, yeah, yeah. Just, just, keep, just keep saying it, you know, look like you mean it. And, um, but look, the, the real thing here is that this isn't, this isn't like death by an instant kaboom. This is death by a thousand cuts. Right. Right. Certainly the carbon tax isn't the only thing that's driving up. Um, uh, You know, right now we have an energy shortage because governments are trying to recover from the uh, COVID-19 recession. And guess what? Wind and wind and solar doesn't do it. You need oil, energy, coal, um, natural gas. And the other problem is the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, because Russia provides 40 percent of its um, uh, of Europe's natural gas. Right. Uh, Well, why? Why is Europe so vulnerable? Because for example, in Germany, they, they shut down their nuclear reactors. So, and so they had wind and solar, but they went, oh, wait a minute, wind and solar, they're not, you know, you can't give, a, a, they can't give electricity on demand. You have to have a backup. So what did they go to? They went to coal, right? So right. They, they, now they have, they shut down nuclear, so they, now they, which is, doesn't emit anything. So now they have coal, which is the most intensive carbon fuel. And, and then they went, well, we still got, don't have enough with the wind and solar, but we got to get rid of coal because it looks bad for us because it's the worst one. So we'll go to natural gas and we'll buy it all from Russia. What could possibly have gone wrong? What could go wrong? Well, you know, uh, Angela Merkel uh, was praised and praised and praised. But, you know, to your, I mean, 
to, to the point of nuclear, there is a solution that is clean, green, and affordable, and it is readily available. So if they actually truly wanted to have a solution, um, they would turn to this. But uh, Stephen Gabel is so uh, adamantly and ideologically opposed to this that he will not look at that. And so it, it's very um, disingenuous where they say only carbon taxes will work when there is actually something on the table right now that we could turn to to help if they were serious about actually well, doing yeah, this. Yeah, there are two conventional fuels we have that we could work with right now. Um, it's uh, nuclear power, which is non-emitting. Uh, and we know we have the issue of, of yeah. you know, waste, but we know how to store that. It's, it's been stored in Ontario for years. Yeah. We have great nuclear technology. We don't have Chernobyls and, and those kinds of things. Um, and the other is natural gas, because it's the lowest burning. And how do we know that works? We know because that's how the Ontario government completed the most impressive I mean, it cost us a fortune because they blew a lot of money on, on wind and solar, which were useless. Yes, but, but, but they eliminated 25% of Ontario sure. used for coal. That's why we don't have any um, smog digs anymore. And that's why our emissions um, plummeted. But because Gibo is a former Greenpeace activist, right, when he was putting out bonds so that people could, same thing, people could invest mm-hmm. in things that lower emissions, he excluded the two we have that actually work. Natural gas and nuclear power. Why did he do it? He said because they were the same as, get this, Alex, the weapons industry, the cigarette industry, and the alcohol industry. He's comparing clean sources of fuel or, or cleaner sources of fuel to weapons. That's how dumb this is. All kinds of environmentalists. James Lovelock, the creator of the Gaia theory, James Hadson, the father of the theory of, the, of global warming, um, uh, um, Patrick Moore, former founding member of Greenpeace. These are all uh, George Monbiot, probably the most accomplished environmental uh, uh, journalist in the world, all looked at the numbers over the years and came out. You can't do this without nuclear power, but not, yeah. not in Ontario. Or not in Canada, not in Canada, because oh, the PMO knows better. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's a farce. It's just a farce. Well, nonetheless, it's a farce we're going to pay a lot of money for, and we'll continue paying for it, and uh, starting again tomorrow with another increase. Uh, gotta let you go on that note. Thanks okay. so much, Lori. Very no much appreciate it. Lori Goldstein uh, joining us. You know you've been covering this a long time when you can just rifle off the numbers like he does, just uh, this and that, and I could just glaze over. I'm like, what?